Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for tuning in today. And uh, today I'm joined by uh, Mr. Cecil Wright. Mr. Cecil, how are you doing today? Fine, thank you. It's good to have you. And uh, Cecil's here to share his testimony with us today. Cecil, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Well, in Weir's Cave area, I lived there all my life, uh, married to my lovely wife, Cindy, and have two great kids and uh, grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. Well, uh, tell us uh, what it's like growing up in uh, Weir's Cave and uh, your first or earliest experiences with church or uh, with Christ. Well, I've lived in that area all my life, and uh, I recall as, as a young child, uh, Mom would read me stories uh, at bedtime and sometimes during the day, and I guess uh, Mom had probably more influence on my uh, Christian walk than, uh, than anybody uh, during those younger years. So uh, you mentioned uh, that your mom read you stories, and uh, do any of the Bible stories maybe stick out in particular, or any uh, maybe your favorite Bible story? I guess in those early years, uh, you're talking about the flood and talking about uh, Jonah and the whale, and it was those stories that had some excitement, I guess, as a young child, and uh, as she read those stories, it just kind of whetted the appetite to, uh, to learn more. Yeah, that's a great story. And a lot of times on Front Porch Talks, uh, Pastor Margaret and I mentioned, you know, for those of us that were lucky enough to grow up in the church or our parents taking us to church, there's a point, though, when we have to make the decision for ourselves, so to speak. It's not just mom and dad bringing us. We actually have to make a decision for ourselves personally. So is there a moment that sticks out to you as either a kid or a teen or maybe it was even in your adult years when you came and made that decision for Christ for yourself personally. Well, I guess really uh, is I was probably in that area of nine, ten years old, uh, started talking about uh, death. Uh, you, you saw people that was dying in your church. And as a youngster, uh, started questioning what is death and what's it all about and wh- where people go and so forth. And it was through that dialogue with mom that uh, – she began to tell me about heaven and hell and relationship with Jesus Christ. And then at the age of about 12, I uh, joined the church and became a member at that time. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure that's a tough thing for a kid, seeing people pass away and maybe not understanding at that point where they're going or, you know, what happens to them. Or, yeah, that uh, can really be eye-opening, I'm sure, especially for a 9- or 10-year-old kid. Before I move on, is there anything else in your growing up years, up through your teen years, that is maybe looking back as foundational in your walk with Christ um, after you were 9 or 10 and really um, began to learn about Him? Anything else that's um, foundational that you can look back on? Well, I guess after I joined uh, the church and was baptized, uh, uh, through those teen years, uh, it was kind of a it wasn't so much of the relationship that I understood at that point uh, with Christ. But it was more a, a life of do's and don'ts, uh, things that you do and things that you don't do, more uh, obeying law than it was uh, a developing relationship. And that relationship didn't really start till I was in my mid-20s. 
and uh, realized at that point that uh, things I was uh, trying to achieve in life uh, wasn't happening exactly like I thought it should and, and began to realize and through reading God's Word and, and some uh, books that I had read, I uh, realized that there's more to life than the do's and don'ts that need to be a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right, yeah, that's very important for people to realize, and when they come to realize that, that it's not about the do's and don'ts. It's about the relationship with Christ. And the reason we do or don't do things isn't because we have to, but it's because we want to. Right. Because of our relationship with Christ, because we love Him, and we know that the don'ts, so to speak, are the things that break His heart, and we don't want to do them because... We don't want to break his heart or the do's, so to speak, or things that we should want to do, not things that we just do because we feel like we're obligated to do them, but things we feel compelled, so to speak, to do. So, uh, Cecil, um, you mentioned that you're married and have two kids, and um, in your mid-20s is when you started to, the relationship, so to speak, as opposed to the do's and don'ts. Uh, Cecil, I know you've done some work over the years with a food pantry in Verona. So uh, just share some about uh, the experiences you've had with serving through that and some of the ways that God's worked and you've seen him work uh, in the food pantry and the work you've done there and uh, the community there. Well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I guess when I started the food pantry, uh, a lot of us have preconceived ideas whether we realize it or not. And as I started and began to see people come in, uh, there's so many circumstances that happen in life that we don't understand until we get into, again, relationship with people. And uh, I guess the thing that amazed me most uh, with those clients that we have is that we can look at them and form opinions, but those opinions often are changed because as we get deeper in those relationships and learn to know those people, uh, there are a lot of hurts uh, there's a lot of need for food, for physical, but as you talk to those clients, you realize that uh, their problem's much deeper than just uh, that of physical and food. Uh, it gets to be more of a spiritual issue. And in talking with those individuals, it's interesting how you strike up a conversation with them and find out uh, there's a greater need. And then the challenge then to me is how can we meet that need within that person's life other than just giving them food? How can we... Uh, relate Christ to their situation and how we can change their lives and their perspective and how they deal with finances. It, it gets to be a, uh, a whole bigger issue than just food. Right. Yeah, so they need spiritual food as well as right. the physical food, and both are important, but obviously the spiritual food is just as important as the physical food. And I'll backtrack a little bit. How did you first start? You mentioned you were one of the ones to help start the food pantry is that correct no no i didn't start it uh hunter falber started out of his garage and it grew to uh, a much uh, bigger challenge than just trying to do that out of the garage so they moved to the augusta county government center there a building that uh, the county provides for us but uh when i was asked to uh, go on the board uh i didn't obviously didn't know anything about food pantries at that point particularly the the operations and the day-to-day things that take place and i'd prayed about it uh, a good bit uh in fact uh, there's a place in mount sydney Caris that uh, wanted me to come to work there and, and volunteer but uh, i just kept praying about that situation and the lord said no i want you somewhere else and then when 
I felt the Lord was calling me to go to work at the food pantry and deal with the situation there. Uh, my prayer was, Lord, I don't know anything about food pantries, and I'm not really looking for for that job or that position. And uh, I kept wrestling with the Lord, and he kept saying, that's where I want you. So I said, okay, if, uh, if that's what you want, that's where, where I'll go. And the doors were opened, and so many things had taken place as a result of that that uh, it's just unbelievable. Uh, one of the big situations that we had was uh, we had an old computer there. It had been there for since uh, 2002, and here it was 2016, 15 or 16, and uh, that computer was shot. It was causing some problems, and uh, I kept praying, you know, what can we do? And so finally the board approved uh, another uh, computer for us, and and the county, a couple of days later, came and said, well, we've got a bunch of computers we'd like to give to you, donate to you, and found out that that was a Linux operating system mm-hmm. and we needed uh, Windows-based. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we kept looking around, and finally, uh, to make a long story short, uh, WNL in Lexington had a bunch of computers they were changing out, updating, upgrading. Uh, they donated us uh, four computers and monitors and the whole deal. And uh, then we had a, a situation of now we have these computers, we need to network them, where we're going to go, who we're going to get, because uh, when you get into computers, those kind of deals get to be expensive and you're hiring people. And we had a guy that uh, at uh, the Blue Ridge School there, truck driving school behind us, that uh, was telling him our situation, and he says, well, I can help you out. Well, I come to find out. He had a computer science degree, and I mean, doors just continued to open uh, for us at the pantry, and it's just been uh, uh, fantastic how God has worked uh, through us and many volunteers that work there. We have about 150 volunteers, so it's kind of like a family. And because of the virus situation, it's been amazing how we've had people that have stepped up to the plate, uh, even though the risk is there because many of our volunteers are the age that the virus hits, uh, as well as the clients that we serve. And so uh, people have, uh, volunteers have just put themselves on the line as well to uh, minister and do what they can to, to serve God in that capacity. Well, Cecil, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for your service uh, to that community there in Verona with the food pantry. And uh, you mentioned you got asked to serve on the board. Um, how many years have you been serving with a food pantry there? Well, I started many years ago, and then uh, that was when we was packing food for the food bank there in Verona, and uh, the church uh, at that time was filling boxes and so forth, and then there was a break that uh, we didn't serve in that capacity, but then uh, I guess I started in about 2014, I guess it was, went on the board, uh, started serving on the board, and and eventually was uh, elected president of the board. Also, I thought it was really neat the story you told about the computers. You know, obviously computers can be, a, like you said, a technical thing. And, you know, once you get into repairs and all that, that can be expensive. And I'm sure that would be something that would worry a food pantry, a nonprofit that doesn't have a whole lot of operating money. But um, God is faithful and he uh, provided somebody with that type of experience to be able to help you guys um, set up your computers and um, to provide the, I guess, the necessary work or whatever that was needed on them. And he's just, I mean, the Lord promises to
to provide what we need, you know, especially if we're serving him and following him and um, that we don't go at it alone, so to speak. Um, do you have any other stories um, from your time serving there or even just in your life in general where um, God has shown his faithfulness to you in your life or in areas um, that you've served in? Let me just touch on one thing we mentioned a little bit, uh, finances and income. Uh, we have had very faithful supporters in the community uh, of the food pantry. And so uh, I think that's uh, important because it's a nonprofit. There are many nonprofits that struggle. Right. But we have been uh, very fortunate to have uh, many volunteers. Uh, even though they volunteer, they support the pantry financially. But we have church uh, groups that volunteer uh, support the ministry. We had a capital campaign uh, that I was really uh, wondering how we was going to, how much money we could raise. And we we normally don't go to business. I've been in business all my life, and people think the business have a endless flow of cash and right. and so forth. But we hadn't contacted businesses over for many years, and so it had a capital campaign back in 2015, 16. Some of the board thought uh, I had lost my mind when I said we ought to have a capital campaign for. Uh, uh, $250,000. And uh, the businesses responded. We didn't quite reach that goal, but we did uh, did well for what we needed uh, as far as capital budget. And so we've had support throughout the whole community, and we serve Augusta County, Stanton, and Waynesboro. So uh, that's been very good. Uh, I guess uh, as I look at some of the opportunities I've had with uh, uh, talking to clients, uh, I was talking to a lady one day as she was going through just casual conversation as she was going through picking up her food, and I said, how are you today? And she said, well, it hadn't been, uh, hadn't been a good week. And I said, really? She says, yes. She said, uh, I buried my brother yesterday. She said, I got another brother that's uh, uh, got cancer. She said, I've got a son that's uh, in jail, has been on drugs. And she said, uh, it's just been a rough week. And uh, I said, uh, well, sounds like you need some prayer. And she says, I need a lot of prayer. And so with that uh, comment, I said, well, can I pray with you now? And so I prayed with her. And as a result, uh, when I finished praying, she threw her arms around me and gave me a hug like, you know, I probably hadn't had in a long time. And uh, tears streaming down her face. And she just uh, thanked me so much. And so that's, that's another part of the, it makes this job so interesting at the pantry is you get in touch with where people really are. And sometimes uh, you think, well, that was just a prayer. Well, for her, it was, it was what she needed at that right. point in time. And I think there are many times that God gives us an opportunity to do things, and we think, well, should I or shouldn't I? Right. Uh, what's somebody going to think if I... To right. respond in this way but uh, I found many times in life when, when those urges or nudges come the Holy Spirit is really trying to direct us and say you know you need to respond here's the need right. and so many times and I mean I think over the years I've failed and missed many of those opportunities just uh, because I guess Satan just kind of put them in our mind you know right. you don't want to do this I guess another time uh, as we talk about witnessing and sharing I was uh in Philadelphia, the International Convention of uh -huh. the Gideons about four years ago. And uh, went out on the street and was doing some uh, sharing with individuals on the street. And I walked down the street, and here were four uh, guys standing there. Uh, and all of a sudden, I was going to share with them. And it's just like Satan says, here you are, 
four strange guys in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, what are they going to think? Or what might they do to you? That was the next thing. Right. And so Satan was trying to really uh, discourage me from talking to these fellows. And uh, to make a long story short, as conversations developed, uh, three of them kind of moved aside, but the, the fourth one just stood there, and we continued to talk uh-huh. and uh, began to share God's Word with him and had him read some scriptures of the Testament that I had. And, and when we got done, he, uh, he said, you know, uh, life has been bad. He said, I'm homeless, don't have any place to go. Uh, he said, don't have any money. And so it was an opportunity not only to share God's word, but help him financially and had prayer with him. And uh, it was after we had prayers that he told me he was, uh, was homeless. And so, uh, again, we, we had prayer, and he said, uh, don't forget me. He said, when you go home, uh, tell your friends to remember me in your prayers, uh, that I might find a job and that things might go better. So there's all kinds of needs, but if we don't uh, engage ourselves right. in conversation with people right. a little bit to find out where they are and what their status right. is in life, uh, there's a real opportunity there if we just take advantage of it. Right. That's uh, good advice, especially not judging people, really getting to know people. You mentioned that with a pantry about, you know, you once you get to talk to people and get to know people, you find out that there's hurts and there's struggles and stuff. And also, as you were talking about ministering to that man in Philadelphia, you know, the devil might have been trying to tell you, oh, well, these people, they're not going to be receptive to what you have to share. Right. But uh, somebody told me recently who shares the gospel quite a bit with people that people want to hear more than we want to share. That's true. And so we just need to be willing to open up the conversation and then if you know if they tell us to back off or whatever then that can be our sign that it's not the right time but at least we can initiate it so to speak and then let god take it from there whether or not it's his will or not for us to share further on those type of situations i got uh, another situation the pantry asked me to share some experiences there uh we was about ready to close one morning and uh, a car drove in and it was a lady in a cadillac uh dressed very nice and i thought she was probably lost looking for maybe uh, one of the other offices in the building there but she got in the car and walked up and she said uh is this a food pantry and i said yes yeah. she said uh, what I need to do to get some food. And I guess I had maybe a, a look on my face based on her coming in and well-dressed because she was dressed better than anybody there, volunteers or clients. And she said, uh, I'm embarrassed to be here. And I said, really? She said, yeah. She said, my husband left me a couple months ago. And she said, I lost my job two weeks ago. And she said, I've got three kids. And she says, I don't have any money. Now, yeah, she had a nice car and she had nice clothes, but that's not cash right, to buy right, food. Right. And so continued to talk with her a little bit, and she came in. But that, that was another uh, situation where you see things and you form opinions. And I saw her. Why would she be here? I mean, she's right. driving a nice car. She's well-dressed. Uh, but underneath of all that, many times we just uh, form opinions without really understanding and trying to appreciate where other people are and and what's caused them to be in situations that they're in. Right. Well, uh, Mr. Cecil, thank you for sharing that story. And, uh, you know, I was talking about sometimes we tend to have preconceived notions about people that can go one way or the other. Like you said, that's 
the other direction. I remember hearing a volunteer at our food bank, Hope Distributed, sharing one time as she was volunteering, and there was a lady that came in, and I feel like maybe based on this volunteer's story that this person was maybe ashamed to be there also, and she told the volunteer, you know, I was on your side once, and I guess she had fallen on hard times, and the volunteer told her, you know, not to worry about it and prayed with her and encouraged her um, that she had nothing to be ashamed of for being there, that that's why they offer it, that it's offered for everybody um, who needs it and uh, not to be ashamed of that type of situation because we all can fall on hard times and we need to know that it's okay if we need help or assistance, Mm -hmm. um, that that's what those type of things are there for. Uh, Mr. Cecil, uh, thank you for sharing all those stories about your experience um, specifically with a food pantry, and you mentioned um, also doing some stuff with the Gideons. Any other stories that stick out in your life that really had an impact on you that you would like to share? Well, I guess back uh, I indicated earlier in the conversation that uh, things begin to take a little different change about my mid-20s. I was uh, working at Rockingham Co-op at the time in the grocery division, and uh, we had a lot of tea uh, that was in the basement, and this was uh, mid-August, late August. And uh, I asked the guy that uh, worked in the uh, store there why we had so much tea, because uh, it looked like an overabundance of tea to be carrying over for the winter. And I asked him, I said, uh, why do we have this kind of inventory? He said, well, you have to ask the Lipton tea salesman about that. And so uh, he asked, he said, you haven't met him? I said, not that I know of. And he said, well, uh, if you met him, you, you would remember it. I said, well, why do you say that? He said, well, he's kind of a religious fanatic. And uh, I'd heard people being referred to as religious fanatics, but I wasn't sure I had really met one. Well, anyway, it wasn't but a week or two later that uh, I was stacking Lipton tea on the uh, counter, and uh, I saw this individual come through the door, and Grace and I knew as soon as I saw him. It was a Lipton tea salesman. And uh, he didn't stop to talk to anybody else, made a beeline to me. And the thing that was so interesting, he introduced himself as uh, Stoney, the Lipton tea salesman. And he said, are you a Christian? And I thought, man, this guy does come on quick. And I said, at, my, at that point, I said, well, I try to be. And he says, no, you don't try to be. Either you are or you're not. Okay. And he proceeded to share with me uh, for probably another eight or ten minutes uh, in conversation before we got around to talking about Lipton Tea, uh, about his faith and shared some scripture with me and so forth. And so that was the point that somebody really challenged me at a time when there was a little struggle in my life and with uh, the comments that he shared and the scriptures that he gave for me to look at uh, really changed my life. And so, uh, again, I think it's being responsive and learning to recognize the call of the Holy Spirit when right. you feel an urge to do something. Somebody right. said, well, I just I just thought that was a feeling. No, right. the Holy Spirit deals right. with us. And the thing is, if we don't understand his voice, we don't know how to respond. Right. And uh, so uh, I'm sure the Holy Spirit, uh, through him, sensed the need and he shared right away. But uh, he wasn't embarrassed about his Christianity and his faith and where he was. So that was... Uh, really a a big change of direction in my life at that point. And uh, the Lord speaks to us each differently. We have to learn to hear His voice. voice, And a way to learn to hear His voice is to spend more time 
in his word, the Bible, and to spend more time in quiet time with prayer. And uh, we can talk to him, but it's got to be a two-way conversation. We also got to allow time, and this is easier said than done, but time to be quiet before him and let him speak to us, whatever he might have for our lives. So that's great. Do you remember uh, any of the scriptures that this uh, tea salesman by chance shared with you that day that really stuck out to you? Well, I guess he went through some of the scriptures that uh, we have in in the plan of salvation. Uh, one that is, is always stuck to me as a kid and memorized from those early days in Sunday school was John three sixteen, right. And uh, it talks about how God loved us so right. much. And God's whole message is based on love. And we just need a lot more love today mm-hmm. in our country and the many situations that right. we're facing. But uh, once we experience God's love, it's much easier for us then to share that with others, right. to have an understanding of what Jesus Christ did for us when he uh, died on that cross that we might have eternal life. Right. And uh, so it's uh, that relationship that is so important and significant. Right. right. And another thing I was thinking uh, when you said he asked you if you were a Christian and you said you try to be, I think about that song where it says it's not in trying but in trusting it's not running, but in resting. And we got to learn to rely on Him. And uh, it's good when we serve people, and it's good that we're nice to people, but those aren't things that will get us to heaven. It's only a relationship with Him that will get us to heaven and trusting in Him and knowing that His sacrifice of His Son dying on the cross for our sins is what we need to put our faith in. And uh, certainly uh, faith without works is dead, but... It's the reverse, too. Works without faith is dead also. I think another element that is hard at times is that area of obedience. Right. You know, when we uh, dedicate ourselves to Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we uh, are obedient to the call that he's called us. And uh, it's um, that relationship. And one thing I know I pray often is, Lord, help me not to miss any opportunity that you have for me today, Lord. You know, I want to be a witness to whoever I come in contact with, Lord. And another thing you mentioned, we might have had missed opportunities in the past, but we don't need to dwell on those. The enemy would want us to dwell on those and regret those, but God just wants us to look ahead and make sure we don't miss any opportunities in the future that he provides for us. I had one situation. I had a, an employee that was up in years, and this has been a number of years ago, that uh, was in bad health. And uh, it was like the Lord was saying, you know, you need to talk to that individual about his faith. And I, one of those deals I kept putting off and putting off, and the individual died before I had the courage to go and talk to him. And the Lord said, well, that's one you missed. And, boy, that was one that has haunted me still to this day. Uh, that when God leads and urges you, it may be just a nudge, but that right. nudge is the Holy Spirit. And right. uh, God, sometimes when those situations come and you miss that opportunity, uh, he's very quick to let you know that you did not do what I asked you to do. Right. I was thinking about somebody that I interviewed not too long ago who at the time they were a young adult, and uh, they would pass these teenage boys on a way to a Bible study he would go to, and he felt the Lord nudging him to reach out to these boys, and he was kind of nervous about it because they kind of looked a little rough, and he wasn't Mm -hmm. sure, kind of like one of the stories you shared. And he told the Lord, well, if it's your will for me to speak to these boys, then 
let them initiate some sort of conversation, not necessarily about God, but just a conversation to get his foot in the door. And so one of the times he was going to this Bible study, one of the boys that he came by said, you're not from around here, are you? Well, that opened Opened up the the conversation. And he said that started a conversation that day that lasts three years. Mm. And then he ended up getting an opportunity to mentor those boys. Him and one of the other guys in his small group got an opportunity to minister to these boys. And he said, I believe it was like four out of five or three out of four of those boys he mentored are now in full-time ministry somewhere. So we Mm. never know what the obedience to Christ will lead to. That's right, yeah. Well, Cecil, thank you for joining me today on Front Porch Talks. And just in closing today, anything else that you would like to share about your testimony that you haven't mentioned already or maybe something that I haven't asked you already? Well, the thing about it, you know, people's experiences can happen quick and a short moment. Others, it's a lifelong process. And for me, it's been a growing experience and, and a process Uh, through the many years. Right. Yeah, it's something we have to surrender our lives daily to Him or die daily, die into our will for our lives and choosing His will for our lives, which we can't do through our own strength, only through His strength. That's right. So that's great advice. Well, thank you for joining me on Front Porch Talks today and sharing your testimony with me, Mr. Cecil. I've enjoyed hearing you and uh, hearing what God's done in your life and is still doing in your life. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I pray that Cecil Wright's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. Thank you for listening. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.